0: Section fifteen of Jane Austen's Juvenilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Lady Susan, part three. Fifteen. Mrs. Vernon to Lady de Courcy, Churchill. My dear mother. I return you Reginald's letter, and rejoice with all my heart that my father is made easy by it. Tell him so with my congratulations. But between ourselves I must own it has only convinced me of my brother's having no present intention of marrying Lady Susan, not that he is in no danger of doing so three months hence. He gives a very plausible account of her behaviour at Langford. I wish it may be true, but his intelligence must come from herself, and I am less disposed to believe it than to lament the degree of intimacy subsisting between them implied by the discussion of such a subject. I am sorry to have incurred his displeasure, but can expect nothing better while he is so very eager in Lady Susan's justification. He is very severe against me, indeed, and yet I hope I have not been hasty in my judgment of her. Poor woman! Though I have reasons enough for my dislike, I cannot help pitying her at present, as she is in real distress and with too much cause. She had this morning a letter from the lady with whom she has placed her daughter, to request that Miss Vernon might be immediately removed, as she had been detected in an attempt to run away. Why, or whither she intended to go, does not appear, but as her situation seems to have been unexceptionable, it is a sad thing, and of course highly distressing to Lady Susan. Frederica must be as much as sixteen, and ought to know better but from what her mother insinuates, I am afraid she is a perverse girl. She has been sadly neglected, however, and her mother ought to remember it. Mr. Vernon set off for London as soon as he had determined what should be done. He is, if possible, to prevail on Miss Summers to let Frederica continue with her, and if he cannot succeed, to bring her to Church Hill for the present, till some other situation can be found for her. Her ladyship is comforting herself meanwhile by strolling along the shrubbery with Reginald, calling forth all his tender feelings, I suppose, on this distressing occasion. She has been talking a great deal about it to me. She talks vastly well. I am afraid of being ungenerous, or, I should say, too well to feel so very deeply. But I will not look for her faults. She may be Reginald's wife—oh, heaven forbid it! but why should I be quicker-sighted than any one else? Mr. Vernon declares that he never saw deeper distress than hers on the receipt of the letter, and is his judgment inferior to mine. She was very unwilling that Frederica should be allowed to come to Churchill, and justly enough, as it seems a sort of reward to behaviour deserving very differently. But it was impossible to take her anywhere else, and she is not to remain here long. "'It will be absolutely necessary,' said she, as you, my dear sister, must be sensible, to treat my daughter with some severity while she is here. A most painful necessity, but I will endeavour to submit to it. I am afraid I have often been too indulgent, but my poor Frederica's temper could never bear opposition well. You must support and encourage me. You must urge the necessity of reproof, if you see me too lenient. All this sounds very reasonable. Reginald is so incensed against the poor, silly girl. Surely it is not to Lady Susan's credit that he should be so bitter against her daughter. His idea of her must be drawn from the mother's description. Well, whatever may be his fate, we have the comfort of knowing that we have done our utmost to save him. We must commit the event to a higher power. Yours ever, etc. Catherine Vernon 16. Lady Susan to Mrs. Johnson Churchill. Hill Never, my dearest Alicia, was I so provoked in my life as by a letter this morning from Miss Summers. That horrid girl of mine has been trying to run away. I have not a notion of her being such a little devil before. She seemed to have all the Vernon milkiness. But on receiving the letter in which I declared my intention about Sir James, she actually attempted to elope. At least I cannot otherwise account for her doing it. She meant, I suppose, to go to the clerks in Staffordshire, for she has no other acquaintances. But she shall be punished, she shall have him. I have sent Charles to town to make matters up if he can, for I do not by any means want her here. If Miss Summers will not keep her, you must find me out another school, unless we can get her married immediately." Miss S. writes word that she could not get the young lady to assign any cause for her extraordinary conduct, which confirms me in my own previous explanation of it. Frederica is too shy, I think, and too much in awe of me to tell tales, but if the mildness of her uncle should get anything out of her, I am not afraid. I trust I shall be able to make my story as good as hers. If I am vain of anything, it is of my eloquence consideration and esteem as surely follow command of language as admiration waits on beauty and here i have opportunity enough for the exercise of my talent as the chief of my time is spent in conversation reginald is never easy unless we are by ourselves and when the weather is tolerable we pace the shrubbery for hours together i like him on the whole very well he is clever and has a good deal to say but he is sometimes impertinent and troublesome there is a sort of ridiculous delicacy about him which requires the fullest explanation of whatever he may have heard to my disadvantage and is never satisfied till he thinks he has ascertained the beginning and end of everything this is one sort of love but i confess it does not particularly recommend itself to me i infinitely prefer the tender and liberal spirit of mainwaring which impressed with the deepest convictions of my merit is satisfied that whatever i do must be right and look with a degree of contempt on the inquisitive and doubtful fancies of that heart which seems always debating on the reasonableness of its emotions. Mainwaring is indeed, beyond all compare, superior to Reginald—superior in everything but the power of being with me. Poor fellow! He is much distracted by jealousy, which I am not sorry for, as I know no better support of love. He has been teasing me to allow of his coming into this country and lodging somewhere incognito. But I forbade everything of the kind. Those women are inexcusable who forget what is due to themselves, and the opinion of the world. Yours ever, S. Vernon Seventeen, Mrs. Vernon to Lady de Courcy. Churchill. My dear mother, Mr. Vernon returned on Thursday night, bringing his niece with him. Lady Susan had received a line from him by that day's post, informing her that Miss Summers had absolutely refused to allow of Miss Vernon's continuance in her academy. We were therefore prepared for her arrival, and expected them impatiently the whole evening. They came while we were at tea, and I never saw any creature look so frightened as Frederica when she entered the room. Lady Susan, who had been shedding tears before, and showed great agitation at the idea of the meeting received her with perfect self-command, and without betraying the least tenderness of spirit. She hardly spoke to her, and on Frederica's bursting into tears as soon as we were seated, took her out of the room, and did not return for some time. When she did, her eyes looked very red, and she was as much agitated as before. We saw no more of her daughter. Poor Reginald was beyond measure concerned to see his fair friend in such distress and watched her with so much tender solicitude, that I, who occasionally caught her observing his countenance with exultation, was quite out of patience. This pathetic representation lasted the whole evening, and so ostentatious and artful a display has entirely convinced me that she did, in fact, feel nothing. I am more angry with her than ever since I have seen her daughter. The poor girl looks so unhappy that my heart aches for her. Lady Susan is surely too severe, for Frederica does not seem to have the sort of temper to make severity necessary. She looks perfectly timid, dejected, and penitent. She is very pretty, though not so handsome as her mother, nor at all like her. Her complexion is delicate, but neither so fair nor so blooming as Lady Susan's, and she has quite the Vernon cast of countenance, the oval face and mild dark eyes and there is peculiar sweetness in her look when she speaks either to her uncle or me, for as we behave kindly to her, we have of course engaged her gratitude. Her mother has insinuated that her temper is intractable, but I never saw a face less indicative of any evil disposition than hers. And from what I can see of the behaviour of each to the other, the invariable severity of Lady Susan, and the silent dejection of Frederica, I am led to believe, as heretofore, that the former has no real love for her daughter, and has never done her justice, or treated her affectionately. I have not been able to have any conversation with my niece. She is shy, and I think I can see that some pains are taken to prevent her being much with me. Nothing satisfactory transpires as to her reason for running away. Her kind-hearted uncle, you may be sure, was too fearful of distressing her to ask many questions as they travelled. I wish it had been possible for me to fetch her instead of him. I think I should have discovered the truth in the course of a thirty-mile journey. The small pianoforte has been removed within these few days, at Lady Susan's request, into her dressing-room, and Frederica spends a great part of the day there, practising, as it is called, but I seldom hear any noise when I pass that way. What she does with herself there I do not know. There are plenty of books but it is not every girl who has been running wild the first fifteen years of her life, that can or will read. Poor creature! The prospect from her window is not very instructive, for that room overlooks the lawn, you know, with the shrubbery on one side, where she may see her mother walking for an hour together in earnest conversation with Reginald. A girl of Frederica's age must be childish indeed, if such things do not strike her. Is it not inexcusable to give such an example to a daughter? Yet Reginald still thinks Lady Susan the best of mothers, and still condemns Frederica as a worthless girl. He is convinced that her attempt to run away proceeded from no justifiable cause, and had no provocation. I am sure I cannot say that it had, but while Miss Summers declares that Miss Vernon showed no signs of obstinacy or perverseness during her whole stay in Wigmore Street till she was detected in this scheme, I cannot so readily credit what Lady Susan has made him. And wants to make me believe that it was merely an impatience of restraint and a desire of escaping from the tuition of masters which brought on the plan of an elopement. Oh, Reginald, how is your judgment enslaved? He scarcely dares even allow her to be handsome, and when I speak of her beauty, replies only that her eyes have no brilliancy. Sometimes he is sure she is deficient in understanding, and at others that her temper only is in fault. In short, When a person is always to deceive, it is impossible to be consistent. Lady Susan finds it necessary that Frederica should be to blame, and probably has sometimes judged expedient to excuse her of ill-nature, and sometimes to lament her want of sense. Redinald is only repeating after her ladyship. I remain, etc., etc. Catherine Vernon 18. From the Same to the Same Churchill. My dear mother, I am very glad to find that my description of Frederica Vernon has interested you, for I do believe her truly deserving of your regard, and when I have communicated a notion which has recently struck me, your kind impressions in her favour will, I am sure, be heightened. I cannot help fancying that she is growing partial to my brother. I so very often see her eyes fixed on his face with a remarkable expression of pensive admiration. He is certainly very handsome, and yet more, there is an openness in his manner that must be highly prepossessing, and I am sure she feels it so. Thoughtful and pensive in general, her countenance always brightens into a smile when Reginald says anything amusing, and, let the subject be ever so serious that he may be conversing on, I am much mistaken if a syllable of his uttering escapes her. I want to make him sensible of all this, for we know the power of gratitude on such a heart as his and could Frederica's artless affection detach him from her mother, we might bless the day which brought her to Church Hill. I think, my dear mother, you would not disapprove of her as a daughter. She is extremely young, to be sure, has had a wretched education, and a dreadful example of levity in her mother. But yet I can pronounce her disposition to be excellent, and her natural abilities very good. Though totally without accomplishments, she is by no means so ignorant as one might expect to find her being fond of books, and spending the chief of her time in reading. Her mother leaves her more to herself than she did, and I have her with me as much as possible, and have taken great pains to overcome her timidity. We are very good friends, and though she never opens her lips before her mother, she talks enough when alone with me to make it clear that, if properly treated by Lady Susan, she would always appear to much greater advantage. There cannot be a more gentle, affectionate heart, or more obliging manners when acting without restraint, and her little cousins are all very fond of her. Your affectionate daughter C. Vernon. 19. Lady Susan to Mrs. Johnson Churchill You will be eager, I know, to hear something further of Frederica, and perhaps may think me negligent for not writing before. She arrived with her uncle last Thursday fortnight when, of course, I lost no time in demanding the cause of her behaviour, and soon found myself to have been perfectly right in attributing it to my own letter. The prospect of it frightened her so thoroughly, that with a mixture of true girlish perverseness and folly, she resolved on getting out of the house, and proceeding directly by the stage to her friends the clerks, and had really got as far as the length of two streets in her journey, when she was fortunately missed, pursued, and overtaken such was the first distinguished exploit of Miss Frederica Vernon, and if we consider that it was achieved at the tender age of sixteen, we shall have room for the most flattering prognostics of her future renown. I am excessively provoked, however, at the parade of propriety which prevented Miss Summers from keeping the girl, and it seems so extraordinary a piece of nicety, considering my daughter's family connections, that I can only suppose the lady to be governed by the fear of never getting her money. Be that as it may, however, Frederica is returned on my hands, and having nothing else to employ her, is busy in pursuing the plan of romance begun at Langford. She is actually falling in love with Reginald de Courcy. To disobey her mother by refusing an unexceptionable offer is not enough. Her affections must also be given without her mother's approbation. I never saw a girl of her age bid fairer to be the sport of mankind. Her feelings are tolerably acute and she is so charmingly artless in their display as to afford the most reasonable hope of her being ridiculous and despised by every man who sees her. Artlessness will never do in love matters, and that girl is a born simpleton who has it either by nature or affectation. I am not yet certain that Reginald sees what she is about, nor is it of much consequence. She is now an object of indifference to him, and she would be one of contempt were he to understand her emotions. Her beauty is much admired by the Vernons, but it has no effect on him. She is in high favour with her aunt altogether, because she is so little like myself, of course. She is exactly the companion for Mrs. Vernon, who dearly loves to be firm, and to have all the sense and all the wit of the conversation to herself. Frederica will never eclipse her. When she first came I was at some pains to prevent her seeing much of her aunt, but I've relaxed as I believe I may depend on her observing the rules I have laid down for their discourse. But do not imagine that with all this lenity I have for a moment given up my plan of her marriage. No, I am unalterably fixed on this point, though I have not yet decided on the manner of bringing it about. I should not choose to have the business brought on here, and canvassed by the wise heads of Mr. and Mrs. Vernon, and cannot just now afford to go to town. Miss Frederica must therefore wait a little." Yours ever, S. Vernon. Twenty. Mrs. Vernon to Lady De Courcy, Churchill We have a very unexpected guest with us at present, my dear mother. He arrived yesterday. I heard a carriage at the door as I was sitting down with my children while they dined, and supposing I should be wanted, left the nursery soon afterwards and was half way downstairs when Frederica, as pale as ashes, came running up, and rushed by me into her own room. I instantly followed, and asked her what was the matter. "'Oh!' said she, "'He is come! Sir James is come! And what shall I do?' This was no explanation. I begged her to tell me what she meant. At that moment we were interrupted by a knock at the door. It was Reginald, who came by Lady Susan's direction to call Frederica down. "'It is Mr. de Courcy, said she colouring violently, Mamma has sent for me, I must go." We all three went down together, and I saw my brother examining the terrified face of Frederica with surprise. In the breakfast-room we found Lady Susan, and a young man of gentlemanlike appearance, whom she introduced by the name of Sir James Martin. The very person, you may remember, whom it was said she had been at pains to detach from Miss Mainwaring, but the conquest, it seems, was not designed for herself or she has since transferred it to her daughter, for Sir James is now desperately in love with Frederica, and with full encouragement from Mama. The poor girl, however, I am sure dislikes him, and though his person and address are very well, he appears, both to Mr. Vernon and me, a very weak young man. Frederica looked so shy, so confused, when we entered the room, that I felt for her exceedingly. Lady Susan behaved with great attention to her visitor, and yet I thought I could perceive that she had no particular pleasure in seeing him. Sir James talked a great deal, and made many civil excuses to me for the liberty he had taken in coming to Churchill, mixing more frequent laughter with his discourse than the subject required, said many things over and over again, and told Lady Susan three times that he had seen Mrs. Johnson a few evenings before. He now and then dressed Frederica, but more frequently her mother. The poor girl sat all this time without opening her lips, her eyes cast down, and her colour varying every instant, while Reginald observed all that passed in perfect silence. At length Lady Susan, weary, I believe, of her situation, proposed walking, and we left the two gentlemen together to put on our pelisses. As we went upstairs, Lady Susan begged permission to attend me for a few moments in my dressing-room, as she was anxious to speak with me in private. I led her thither accordingly and as soon as the door was closed, she said, I was never more surprised in my life than by Sir James's arrival, and the suddenness of it requires some apology to you, my dear sister, though to me, as a mother, it is highly flattering. He is so extremely attached to my daughter that he could not exist longer without seeing her. Sir James is a young man of an amiable disposition and excellent character, a little too much of the rattle, perhaps, but a year or two will rectify that, and he is in other respects so very eligible a match for Frederica, that I have always observed his attachment with the greatest pleasure, and am persuaded that you and my brother will give the Alliance your hearty approbation. I have never before mentioned the likelihood of its taking place to any one, because I thought that whilst Frederica continued at school it had better not be known to exist. But now, as I am convinced that Frederica is too old ever to submit to school confinement, and have therefore begun to consider her union with Sir James as not very distant, I had intended within a few days to acquaint yourself and Mr. Vernon with the whole business. I am sure, my dear sister, you will excuse my remaining silent so long, and agree with me that such circumstances, while they continue from any cause in suspense, cannot be too cautiously concealed. When you have the happiness of bestowing your sweet little Catherine some years hence on a man who in connection and character is alike unexceptionable, you will know what I feel now, though, thank heaven, you cannot have all my reasons for rejoicing in such an event. Catherine will be amply provided for, and not, like my Frederica, indebted to a fortunate establishment for the comforts of life. She concluded by demanding my congratulations. I gave them somewhat awkwardly, I believe, for, in fact, the sudden disclosure of so important a matter took from me the power of speaking with any clearness. She thanked me, however, most affectionately, for my kind concern in the welfare of herself and daughter, and then said, I am not apt to deal in professions, my dear Mrs. Vernon, and I never had the convenient talent of affecting sensations foreign to my heart, and therefore I trust you will believe me when I declare that much as I heard in your praise before I knew you, I had no idea that I should ever love you as much as I do now, and I must further say that your friendship towards me is more particularly gratifying, because I have reason to believe that some attempts were made to prejudice you against me. I only wish that they, whoever they are, to whom I am indebted for such kind intentions, could see the terms on which we now are together, and understand the real affection we feel for each other. But I will not detain you any longer. God bless you, for your goodness to me and my girl, and continue to you all your present happiness." What can one say of such a woman, my dear mother, such earnestness, such solemnity of expression? And yet I cannot help suspecting the truth of everything she says. As for Reginald, I believe he does not know what to make of the matter. When Sir James came he appeared all astonishment and perplexity. The folly of the young man and the confusion of Frederica entirely engrossed him, and though a little private discourse with Lady Susan has since had its effect, he is still hurt, I am sure, at her allowing of such a man's attentions to her daughter. Sir James invited himself with great composure to remain here a few days, hoped we would not think it odd, was aware of its being very impertinent, but he took the liberty of a relation, and concluded by wishing, with a laugh, that he might be really one very soon. Even Lady Susan seemed a little disconcerted by this forwardness. In her heart, I am persuaded she sincerely wished him gone. But something must be done for this poor girl, if her feelings are such as both I and her uncle believe them to be. She must not be sacrificed, policy, or ambition, and she must not be left to suffer from the dread of it. The girl, whose heart can distinguish Reginald de Cursey deserves, however he may slight her, a better fate than to be Sir James Martin's wife. As soon as I can get her alone I will discover the real truth, but she seems to wish to avoid me. I hope this does not proceed from anything wrong, and that I shall not find out I have thought too well of her. Her behaviour to Sir James certainly speaks the greatest consciousness and embarrassment, but I see nothing in it more like encouragement. Adieu, my dear mother. Yours, etc. C. Vernon." Twenty-one. Miss Vernon to Mr. de Courcy Sir, I hope you will excuse this liberty. I am forced upon it by the greatest distress, or I should be ashamed to trouble you. I am very miserable about Sir James Martin, and have no other way in the world of helping myself but by writing to you, for I am forbidden even speaking to my uncle and aunt on the subject, and this being the case. I am afraid my applying to you will appear no better than equivocation, and as if I attended to the letter and not the spirit of Mama's commands. But if you do not take my part, and persuade her to break it off, I shall be half distracted, for I cannot bear him. No human being but you could have any chance of prevailing with her. If you will, therefore, have the unspeakably great kindness of taking my part with her, and persuading her to send Sir James away, I shall be more obliged to you than it is possible for me to express. I always disliked him from the first. It is not a sudden fancy, I assure you, sir. I always thought him silly and impertinent and disagreeable, and now he has grown worse than ever. I would rather work for my bread than marry him. I do not know how to apologize enough for this letter. I know it is taking so great a liberty. I am aware how dreadfully angry it will make Mama, but I remember the risk." I am, sir, your most humble servant, F.S.V. End of section 15